0: All right, welcome to another segment of Let's Talk UNRV on KUNV. You with co-host Keith and Tanya. Tanya, how was your weekend?
1: It was pretty darn awesome. So I went to the Dia amortes Um the Dia de Festival at the, the Spring Preserves. It was, it was really cool and interesting. Saw a bunch of really interesting and different altars. Some of them were from organizations. Some of them were for families. They had things like um, for... For families that have lost loved ones, for for children that haven't found placements, so it was really interesting to see that and really beautiful. They had some great food. I did not get to sample any of it, but I could smell it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it sounded authentic. Um, you had an opportunity to put your loved one's name on a wall, and the music was wonderful. It was a beautiful experience.
0: Now, is this is an annual event.
1: Yeah. And apparently it sells out really super quickly. I just happened to stroll across my Facebook page and I said, oh, let's do this. So it was a it was a great time. It was it was beautiful.
0: I didn't do anything as memorable. I was just in couch potato mode all weekend. So I just consumed as much college football and as much NFL football as I possibly could. Ending in disappointment with my Rams losing like seems like 10 games in a row. You know, it's been very, very fresh. You know, we had the the high of winning the Super Bowl. Now we can't win a game this season. So it's been uh, I don't know why I torture myself.
1: Ups and down. Oh, I forgot one other thing that I did this weekend is I attended an event by Habesha. Habesha. Habesha is the Ethiopian group on campus. And they had this wonderful networking event where I got to try Ethiopian food. I got to listen to the panelists. It was a really great event as well. Not quite as low key. Um, This weekend, I'm going to be doing what you did and just kind of chilling.
0: I hear you. Well, I'm excited. We have two guests today. We're going to be talking about the ruling on DACA. And for those who don't know what DACA is, it's Deferred Action for uh, Childhood Arrivals. And we have two of our colleagues on campus who do a lot of work in this space. So we, we have today Michael... Kagan, who's the director of the UNLV Immigration Clinic, and then we have Nayala Lopez, who's the resource coordinator for the Undocumented Student Program. So Nayela, we'll start with you. If you could just maybe give us your origin story on how you came into the position that you're in at UNLV, followed by, by Michael.
2: Of course. Hi. Good afternoon. Uh, My name is Nayeli Rica Lopez. I'm the coordinator for the Undocumented Student Program here at UNLV. Um, And my journey, I guess, into how I got into this position um, is really full of a lot of successes, but a lot of trials and challenges as well. Um, I myself am a DACA recipient, and my family migrated to the United States uh, when I was uh, two years old, so I've been living here in the states for for quite a while now, um, and our journey here to the United States, um, trying to to you know grow into a community, um, assimilate and uh, become one, was. Very interesting, um, especially as, as the oldest uh, daughter um, within my family, uh, within my household, was uh, very challenging trying to navigate um, the school system and in, in uh, translating documents and uh, translating during teacher-parent meetings. Um, and then trying to navigate higher education in itself was um, a really challenging experience, but also one in which I found moments of empowerment uh, because that's where I found my, my independence and uh, recognized my own resilience. Um, I graduated from Nevada State College in 2021, um, and I was a recipient of the Dream.us scholarship um, at that uh, campus, um, which was very helpful, um, and it provided that pathway of higher education for, for me um, and a pathway to the career that I, that I have now. Um, I was lucky to come on board uh, in this role within UNLV this past September of 2021, um, and I, it's been amazing, and I, I love the work that I do in supporting our undocumented students on campus.
0: All right. Thank you for that. And, Michael, could you share your origin story on how you arrived at UNLV?
3: Sure. Well, I mean, that would be a boring story of uh, law school hiring. But I, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, my first job out of law school, actually, was abroad uh, working in the Middle East to develop legal aid for refugees. And uh, I often say that um, the job at UNLV is the first normal job that I've had. But I would say on a personal level, uh, my family is originally from Eastern Europe and uh, came in mostly in the uh, first few decades of the 20th century. And I think uh, I really credit my parents and my grandparents with really stressing those stories. I felt very close uh, to that heritage and whether, you know, working with refugees in Cairo, Egypt or... um, Uh, with immigrants here in Las Vegas, I think I really recognize a lot of things that, uh, you know, similar struggles, similar kind of daily heroism of people to, you know, raise their kids that, that I heard about uh, with my great grandparents. Uh, And so that's close to uh, something I I feel very close uh, to the bone in terms of my identity.
1: Um, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, that leads to that question about what brought you here in the first place and what made this work important for you. But I'm I'm wondering for the, the next generation of students, because DACA has evolved and, and has continued to evolve over time. So in what ways will the recent DACA ruling um, impact the current and future students and their families?
3: Nayeli, do you want to take that first?
2: Sure. So right now, with the ruling on DACA, just some background information. Um, so DACA has was implemented in 2012, and it has allowed nearly 800,000 recipients to remain safely within the United States. Um, and so this um, the the challenges uh, with the, this program um, have been there. There have been up and ups and downs with this. Um, with challenges in the courts. Uh, in 2018, Texas uh, led seven states in filing a lawsuit, uh, also known as the Texas versus United States case, um, to challenge DACA. Uh, Judge Andrew Hainan uh, did rule DACA unlawful on July 16th of 2021. And so um, for right now, it does continue to allow for renewals for current recipients, um, but we're waiting on... Um, Judge Hainan to now um, make a decision on the new DACA ruling uh, from the DHS. Uh, and so the decisions that happen um, will almost certainly be appealed by the Supreme Court um, and given um, given the current state of, of the Supreme Court in itself. Uh, so we're not expecting the program to survive. Um, and so some of the the impacts that it might have. Um, DACA renewals could be halted. um, For right now, as I said, the the renewals continue to be processed, uh, but that could change. Um, First applications are not, are being received but not processed, and this uh, has um, not changed as of recently um, due to the um, litigation happening. And there are other effects on the community and uh, recipients as well. So um, according to research done by the Immigrant Well-Being Research Center um, and by scholars by, from the University of Southern Florida, they, their research shows that undocumented young adults with DACA do feel sadness, despair, anxiety, and uncertainty about their future, and that continues going forward, especially with uh, DACA being in the courts. Um, a lot of the time, <laughs> uh, there are a lot of things on the line for these individuals. We know that they have contributed largely for our communities, both financially but also just by being members of community, um, there are in all, all fields. Um, and if these individuals do um, Get their DACA benefits halted. Um, we do expect for uh, approximately 22,000 jobs to be lost each month for two years. So there are a lot of financial implications on these individual families, um, which can be very detrimental to to them um, and to their loved ones. Uh, we'd also see their protections from deportation halted, and that um, could have A lot of strain on their family and um, just the fact of having that that risk right of of having um, your family separated it's huge and it's a a really big stressor on these individuals Um, there's also uncertainty around um, higher education uh, not knowing what's going to happen with their career uh, with their current positions so there's definitely a lot of a lot of feelings and um, really important things to to take to keep in mind uh, with DACA at the moment.
1: You know, as you speak about that, I, I'm thinking about the mental health aspects of it and the fear mm-hmm. and the uncertainty that I witness and that I, I hear translated to me or transmitted to me, you know, in conversations, um, even on a personal level. And I also think about this idea of living almost like walking a high wire, you know, and every year someone came, comes along and shakes the wire so you're barely balancing, and there's always the possibility that someone will pull the wire out from under you. And as you walk, it's just getting more wobbly and and wobbly. So i um, I think i and I wonder whether or not some of these things then become generational trauma type of things in the sense that living in fear and uncertainty, that stuff kind of passes on from generation to generation, not only genetically but also emotionally also circumstantially. so thank you so much for sharing the the bigger picture of what happens you know as the docker ruling keeps flipping and flopping from one side to the next
0: and then, Mike, did you have um any additional comments concerning the recent docker ruling?
3: Well, I just would summarize that that. DACA has been under threat from the beginning. It's It was always a crutch um, because of the failure of Congress to actually address the problem in our immigration laws by giving people um, a recognition that this is their home. And uh, basically, time is running out. It, DACA has lived on longer than many of us expected to. It's already essentially... Only a half version of itself, because as Nayeli explained, that new we can't do new applications. We can only renew the old ones. It is an urgent matter. It's going to be devastating to people. At the same time, we need to realize that undocumented people did go to college and did you know try their best to, to live their lives uh, before DACA, uh, and many still do, and who never had DACA. Um, But it really is, um, it's like if if a bunch of people are are riding like a treadmill and everyone else is on an easy setting and someone else has to be on the hardest setting. That is what an undocumented student going to college has done and and DACA made that a bit easier. But we are running out of time to address this.
0: And then what would you say the importance or I guess potential implications on sort of the results of the current election impact on DACA efforts? And I'll it ask that of you, like,
3: Mike. Sure. The, the Nothing good, but not a big change either. Um, it looks like the Republicans were, are most likely to control the House, but whoever controls the House is only narrowly going to control it. And um, the Republican Party has really moved uh, To a very strongly uniform anti-immigrant position across the board they're against immigration legal or not and but that that has to be said the democrats did not address this they failed to address this because of the filibuster and because of their narrow majority in the senate so the the democratic party has not done what it promised either uh, because of division among its own ranks about how to proceed which just leaves people who are our neighbors here um, in limbo. And uh, like I said, time's running out, but um, we're going to have to stand by our neighbors and realize what people are are going through, people who we see in class, people who are on campus every day, um, and uh, that there are people under a strain they should not have to be under. This is a man-made catastrophe, basically.
0: And then this question is for Nayeli. If we sort of... Take a more macro look at this, and and sort of drill down to sort of UNLV and Southern Nevada. Like, how many students are we talking about, or families of students who are impacted by DACA efforts?
2: Yeah. So we uh, here at UNLV, we do not keep track of our undocumented student populations. So we don't have exact numbers, but we do know that uh, national data. Um, We know that there are um, an estimated population here in the state of Nevada um, of 210,000 or 7% of our population being undocumented. Um, We also know that um, according to USCIS, as of March of 2021, Nevada is home to uh, 11,720 DACA recipients. Um, and there are over 400,000 students in higher education who are undocumented. Um, he, now in 2022, it's estimated that less than half are DACA recipients or are even DACA eligible. So we are seeing um, less and less students coming into higher ed with DACA because of the current um, implications as well as the limits on um, entry date eligibility.
1: So it sounds like the um there's also a percentage of students that are hidden population for a number of reasons to include safety and to include the fact that they don't feel like they'll have access to the resources they need. Is that what I'm hearing?
2: Um, So we, yeah, we do not track um, status uh, for safety reasons. Um, We also still have um, the, the national policies and rules on, 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 Student privacy, so we have those in place that are also serve as a as a cushion and as um, as law that we have to follow. Um, so we we do this based off of safety precautions, um, but we do have the undocumented student program on campus that students can uh, come to and and ask for support, and we'd be more than happy to to help them out.
1: That's wonderful. Um, so, which brings me to my next question. How can students, or in fact, you know, those who love them, family members and otherwise, get involved to improve accessibility to education for those students that would be DACA students?
2: So, we have, um, there are many ways in which individuals, uh, if they even though if they themselves are impacted or if they're allies of these particular populations, uh, there are different ways they can get in- involved. Um, they can definitely uh, follow um, different organizations, both on campus and off campus, with the goal of supporting undocumented uh, individuals. Um, and. They can uh, engage in whatever capacity they have. They're also able to share out our resources uh, and programs that we have uh, going on um, to further amplify and share out Um we have a lot of different kinds of programs, uh, both through the undocumented student program, but the, um, for example, UNLV Immigration Clinic does an awesome job in, in providing different resources and services, uh, resource fairs and such. Um, so we really wanna make sure that we have that information going out to our community uh, because we do have these resources here and we wanna make sure that they're utilizing them. So definitely amplifying the, the work that we're doing uh, is a great way to get involved, and that goes for both students, faculty, and staff um, as well. um, Um, Sorry, uh go ahead. And I was just going to say, lastly, um, there's also different ways that individuals can get involved in their communities, whether that's working with a nonprofit organization with also the goal of supporting um, our immigrant community um, right now with elections, uh, doing... um, Uh, The ballot curing could also be a way to get um, involved civically in supporting our immigrant population as well.
1: Thank you for the great lead. And uh, Michael, would you like to tell us a little bit about the immigration clinic at UNLV and and what sort of resources that are accessible for students?
3: Sure. The UNLV Immigration Clinic. Um, part of it is a teaching hospital for for law students, so it's a place for law students to learn skills by uh, by serving the community and working in real life cases. But we are much bigger than that now. Uh, we have a uh, community advocacy office with a staff of five attorneys and uh, and other st- and other staff. Um, Um, most of those attorneys work on deportation defense. So I I often say you don't want to need our services. We don't want people to be in deportation proceedings. But if you are, that's like the ICU of of immigration law. You desperately need to have um, a lawyer if you're going to have any fighting chance to stay in the United States. But we have also within that a small university legal services program um, that serves anyone in the UNLV or, Uh, um, College of Southern Nevada communities. That's right now one lawyer. We're hoping uh, in the future that we can uh, find funding to expand that. Um, But um, any UNLV student uh, is eligible for immigration assistance. DACA for sure. But not only DACA. Um, Any kind of immigration assistance, uh, whether someone is undocumented or whether they're a citizen and uh, want to sponsor a family member, they can go get uh, advice and, and see how we might be able to help. If You just Google the UNLV Immigration Clinic, there are intake, there's an online intake form for university legal services and a description about all the types of people that we can assist. Um, so th- that is one of the things that we're trying to do to make sure to help people in our community. And the big thing I would, I would say uh, beyond specific actions to take is it's important not to see immigration as a marginal issue, particularly when you live in a place like Las Vegas. That um, any attack on, on immigrants it's, it's not really about immigrants Most of people who are immigrants here Have, have not migrated in a very long time that, that We're talking about people who are integral Members of our community And we need to respond to this issue Accordingly and in politics It often gets dealt with as a You know as a culture war battle Or something that's on the margins that Most people can probably ignore um, If you're part of this community here You can't ignore immigration it, This is part of who we are as a city, as a state, um, as a campus.
0: And then, um, Nayeli, could you expand on what services or assistance is available through um, the undocumented student program to UNLV students?
2: Of course. So the Undocumented Student Program provides services, uh, resources, and support for our undocumented students and students within mixed status families on on campus. Uh, Some of the things that we can uh, help with include um, providing support such as basic needs assistance, uh, giving uh, different kinds of resources, whether that includes uh, financial aid, uh, scholarship assistance. Uh, we can definitely uh, help connect students to mental health and well-being supports. Um, we're pretty much here as, as a resource that can help guide students in various circumstances. Um, a lot of the time I say, if, if I don't know, I can find that information for you, so, um, Please... Do not uh, hesitate to reach out um, or refer any students over um, if they do need uh, extra support um, as someone who's undocumented. Uh, we also do a lot of programming, so we collaborate with different departments and organizations both across campus and within the community. So uh, we've worked with um, the Unovia you know, Immigration Clinic, uh, the Undocu Network, which is our uh, registered student organization in support of undocumented students on campus. Uh, we've also worked with the Office and Financial Aid Office to provide more information uh, geared for undocumented students. Uh, We also have had sponsorships with uh, CSUN, who is our undergraduate student government, to put together uh, scholarships and sponsorships. Um, We've also worked with the Mexican Consulate, the Governor's Office for New Americans. So we're definitely connected to our community and want to make sure that we're providing access to higher education for our community members and also supporting those that are those students that are already here.
0: And then how can students locate you who need services?
2: Yeah, so you can find more information about the services that we have, as well as our social media links and contact information on our website, which is unlb.edu forward slash diversity forward slash undocumented.
1: So I wanted to thank you for all of this information, which is new information, and also um, positioning the, this idea of undocumented individuals as part and parcel of who we are and woven into the fabric of um just Vegas and UNLV in general and I was curious are students able to walk in or do they need an appointment in order to access your services
2: for the Undocumented Student Program, they are able to book appointments with me. Um, if they reach out uh, via email, um, they can reach us at undocumented at UNLV.edu. Um, I can set that meeting up. It could be either an in-person, virtual, or even a phone call meeting, um, and we can definitely set that up. Um, yeah. And is that the same for you, Michael?
3: It's definitely better to make an appointment with us through the online uh, portal. Again, just Google UNLV Immigration Clinic to find it. Uh, law offices uh, walk-ins often are complicated because lawyers have to take a lot of time um, with each each client.
1: Okay, thank you so much for that information.
0: And then we will we're going to wrap up. So we will sort of give you the last word, and then so we will turn it over to you, Nayeli, first to share any. Any closing remarks or if there are questions you wish we had asked of you that we did not, if you could please share at this time and then Michael will ask you the same question.
2: Gotcha. Um, My last word, um, I was actually thinking of referring to one of my favorite poems um, by Rupi Kaur, and I'll go ahead and... um, read it, it says, perhaps we are all immigrants, trading one home for another. First, we leave the womb for air, then the suburbs for the filthy city in search of a better life. Some of us just happen to leave entire countries. And I think that this is very powerful, a very powerful poem. um, And I definitely resonate with it. Um, Immigration is beautiful and also very hard for many families. And at the end of the day, we are all trying to survive as, as human beings. Um, and I think it's important that we come together as a community to make sure that we're all thriving and succeeding um, within our, our, our communities. Thank
1: you. That was a beautiful poem, Michael. Oh well, I think we should.
3: I think we should end on on what Nayeli just said. Uh, I can't top that, and I think that was a beautiful uh, uh, summation.
1: I I was hoping you were going to break out an original piece that you had formed yourself that you were going to debut on this particular platform.
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, I'm I'm sorry to disappoint you on that one.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe next time. Maybe Maybe. I'll come better prepared. Um, Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for um, humanizing the experience of being an undocumented individual and also talking about the dualities in identity. Um, I heard that, you know, in addition to trying to navigate your way, oftentimes you're helping families to navigate theirs as well. You're, in essence, um, forging a road without a map, you know. And the idea that we other someone who is undocumented is almost like we're othering ourselves because all of us have origins somewhere. So that poem, I think, beautifully summarizes the idea of immigrants as just a part of the life experiences that we have.
0: Well said. All right, that's a wrap. For more Let's Talk UNLV, be sure to follow us on social media where you can get the latest updates on the show plus great behind-the-scenes content. We're on Facebook at Let's Talk UNLV Podcast,
2: Twitter at Let's Talk UNLV, and Instagram at Let's Talk UNLV Pod.